I want to, before we turn to the, the message this morning, I, I want to give you a little teaser as to what will begin starting next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, we'll begin an 11-week sermon series on the book of Revelation entitled Rider in the Sky. We're going to go all the way from next Sunday, all the way to Easter. Uh, I'm thrilled. doesn't mean I know all the answers. I'm thrilled and, uh, until somebody gets really mad at me. But uh, it should be a great time, and it's just a great time in the season of our church. We're starting with communion. There's a baptism in the middle of it. We're ending on Easter. Um, I really think that is the right posture to approach this book and this, and this section of the Scripture. So I encourage you to join us. Um, if you have friends or family that you think might be uh, hooked by the subject matter, uh, please use it appropriately. If you, are, um, if you are on the left pedal, which would be the group of people that for February and March are helping out, serving, would you please raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Okay, thank you. Thank you. These people, in case you don't know, these people have committed to enabling the rest of us to come to church and go to adult discipleship Sunday school class unfettered, unhampered, for eight consecutive weeks, and for that, we're very thankful. Would you please, um, I, I guess on the count of three, uh, just say thank you. One, two, three, thank you. Thank you very much. This was very kind. And, and I need to tell you, this whole week, this whole week, um, someone once visited with me some weeks back and said, I missed the opportunity to value the church and everything they're doing, and I don't want to miss it this time. I am so thankful for um, the way you've stepped up. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to say it quite. I'm so proud of my church. I love this church. And you've done so many beautiful things. On Friday when I was out, it felt like every other person on Market Street had the mark of Christ on them. And um, I, so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that even when you don't fully understand, sometimes you still hop on the bus and... Uh, and for that, I'm, I'm really, really grateful. And I think um, we arrive at the last week of, of this pedal sermon. It was supposed to be a pedal sermon. Turns out we get here, it's running fine, so it's just a sermon. And, and I rejoice in Jesus Christ for that. So what I'd like to do is, um, is this, this morning is we're just going to continue to weave prayer in and out of, of what we're doing. So we took time to pray over Egypt. I'm going to take time to pray over those of you who will be serving and engaging kind of in the service and pedal. And then as we kind of work through the scriptures, and we're going to talk about giftedness a little bit, I just want to continue to weave prayer in and out of it as a chance maybe for you to respond a little differently to the Lord than maybe we normally do on Sunday. And as a, also a reminder of the fact that prayer really is inexorably tied to every facet of our Christian life. And so um, with that, would you please bow with me as I, as I pray over those who will be serving us for the next couple of months. Lord, we are so grateful that you've brought um, a church here, a people here, Lord, who understand uh, what it means to belong and to learn and to serve and to sacrifice for one another and to share and rejoice with one another, Lord. And I just want to take specific time right now, Lord, to thank, to thank you for those people who, over the next two months, are going to team together and enable so many of others of us to go to Sunday school and, and worship with peace and rest in our hearts. And Lord, I'm just so grateful for them. I pray 
your grace over them. I pray that you would protect their posture of service over these next two months, that you'd, you'd keep in them uh, the big ideas of what they're trying to do ultimately. And I, I do pray that you bless the children they serve and the adults they serve and the many ways that they serve, Lord, and that you would, that you would allow this to bear fruits of maturity within our church. And likewise, Lord, I lift up those of us who have the opportunity now to, to take time to study your word on Sunday. I pray that they might be bold in stepping out and, and committing in a new way to an opportunity to study your word, Lord. I pray the spirit of peace on them. And uh, Lord, we're trying, we're trying to do your will well. And I just pray that you honor that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Would you open your Bible? Did you already open your Bibles? No? Romans 12, please. Romans 12 which is page 788 if you're using one of ours. And if you don't own a Bible, please take the one in the seat back in front of you as a gift. Page 788. Now, we're going to eventually get to giftedness, what to do with the gifts of the Spirit. That, that seemed like something to talk about when 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 we were kind of designing pedals, we do at some point need to talk about how people are gifted, and we're going to eventually get there. I want you to really kind of observe this morning the long and winding path that Paul uses to get there um, with the way he kind of builds his conversation. I'm going to be in Romans 12, verses 1 to 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for conversion. Your powerful act of turning us back to you, Lord. We thank you that you've come, you've sent your Son, you've shared your truth, you've covered our sin, you've given us your Spirit, and you've taught us and called us to turn, to turn towards you and away from the ways of this world and the ways of our flesh and the ways of your adversary. Lord, we pray that we might continue turning all of our life 
turning towards you. We pray for the conversions that have been enjoyed in our church, those happening even now among our members, Lord, and those to come, Father. We pray ahead of time for the conversion of souls in our families, the turning of friends to you, the turning of neighbors to you, the turning of towns and cities to you, Lord. We pray, we pray trusting that at the final day there will be more people than we can count worshiping at the throne. Father, we thank you for your spirit who counsels, who remains with us and does not leave us, who resides in us. Give us steadfast faith to trust in you. Fathers, remember the gift of your son, the grace you've given, the love you have for us. We are compelled to acknowledge that you are a magnificent God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This teaching of Paul begins with this idea of offering your body as a living sacrifice. And I I want to start by saying this is an individual teaching. He's going to end up talking about the church like he often does, but he's starting, Paul's starting individually. You, you, me, Each one of us is called to offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's the call. There's there's a sense, and sometimes during the sermon series, we've gone back and forth on kind of recognizing who we are in relationship to a larger body, and then sometimes recognizing who we are as individuals. And it's worth noting in this teaching that the apostle's beginning at an individual level. He's saying, you need to offer your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. There's things you can't do by yourself. Christian things you just can't do or can't do very well at least. Things you need the whole church to kind of enjoy or experience. But by yourself, you don't really feel called to do it or you don't really feel equipped to do it, but as you're belonging to a church, it does it. This is not one of those things. This is not something that the church offers itself up holy and pleasing, but you don't. Each one of us is to offer ourselves up to the Lord as a living sacrifice. This idea of living sacrifice is almost as it's a life being lived sacrificially. It's the way you would understand. Not as a life that's given, not necessarily as a life given unto death, but as a life where our life, the actual life we live, is lived directed towards the Lord. It's a holy and pleasing life towards the Lord. There is in this, in this text, it begins with this word, therefore. And there, it's looking back. It's looking back on everything that kind of Paul the Apostle has been saying through Romans. But it's specifically kind of hinting at what we've already received. It's essentially saying, based on what you've received, therefore offer up your your body as a living sacrifice. And he's pointing to the ideas of the fact that God has already given us his love, God has given us his mercy, God has given us his son, his son has given us his life so that we might be given eternal life. Therefore, offer up your life back to the Lord. That's, That's kind of how the teaching Begins And it has this idea in it of holy and pleasing. Which maybe there are 
two sides of the same coin. I mean, they feel that way, but they also feel a little different to me that I think is worth sharing. I feel that for many of us, when we hear the phrase holy, be holy, we have in our minds an idea of things we don't do. We're spotless. If we do that, we, we get spotted or filthy or dirty, but we don't do that. There's, a, there's an idea, almost a passive idea about holiness, of setting ourselves apart from the world for God and, and kind of the way that we present ourselves before the Lord. But it has about it almost a, a sense of appearance versus the idea of pleasing for me, pleasing, which to me feels more active. Like I try to please the Father and I try to appear holy. And there's this sense in being holy and pleasing that we are in some ways abstaining and pursuing the image of Christ, but we're also trying to do things that bring active pleasure to the Lord. I think of a child. A child is holy before their parents when they don't misbehave. A child is pleasing to their parents when they do the right things. And we're kind of being called to do both of them. And through doing them, Paul says this. He says, A, this is worship. He says, this is what worship is. When you're offering your body up as a holy and pleasing sacrifice. He says, that's worship. But then he says, the second thing happens in verses uh, 2. He says, from there, not only is it worship, but it's the pathway to understanding what God wants for your life. He says, it's the pathway to his will. He says, once you do this, then you will be able to test and approve God's will for your life his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. And so when we offer our bodies up as living sacrifices, when we do this in a real way, it's our way of saying to God, God, we want to know what you want to say to us. It's our way of, of asking the Lord to tell us. And it's, it's not simply knowing his will, it's approving of his will. There's many of us here who know what God wants us to do. We're just saying no. When you're a living sacrifice before the Lord, when God says something, you say yes. Not, yes, you say yes. Therefore I urge you, in view of his mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Will you pray with me, please? Jesus Christ, as we meditate through these words, It's brought to mind that you have become the satisfaction before the Lord of all justice. That there's been wrong that we have committed. That there's a debt that we cannot pay. That there is righteous wrath and indignation of the Father, Lord, and that you, Christ, have stepped in the middle and you have become God's satisfaction. And I would pray that you might make us a people who find our satisfaction in you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse 3 with me. Watch how he still continues to be speaking to the individual. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment 
in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Do you see that phrase, God has given you? The measure of faith God has given you. This can be an uncomfortable idea for some of us. The idea of God-given faith. This faith has been given us. And sometimes, especially with Paul, we immediately begin to kind of plow deep onto these deeper issues. I don't think this, Paul is really picking a deep fight here. What I think Paul is saying is, is, listen, you who have come to Christ, you who have made a decision, you've made a commitment. I don't think he's denying the realness of that. I think what Paul is saying is, is, do you think that you came to Jesus on your own? Do you think that the faith that you have is because you picked yourself up by your bootstraps, you derived the holiness of God on your own, that you sought out the good news by yourself and that you embraced it? I think what he's saying is, is don't, be, don't be so quick to think so highly of the things you've received because God brought them to you in unique ways. God, and not you, initiated your salvation. He found you. He's hunted you down. Some of you have been hounded by the Lord for years. Hounded and hedged in and cornered and trapped. And you try to get out one way and he puts a person there. And you try to get out another way and he creates an obstacle there. Every time he's forcing you to turn back to him. And, and you're, you've, throughout your life you have done everything you can imagine to avoid the salvation of Jesus Christ And you have finally, in the latter days, submitted to his rule. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. God has initiated our faith. God has innovated and imagined ways to bring faith to us. When someone speaks the gospel into you, the great commission of Jesus Christ is happening to you. And you've been a recipient of that. The very fact that God sent his only son is the great initiation of your faith. Had that not happened, we would be the most pitied of all people. Don't think so highly of yourself. That's what I think he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm about to start talking about an issue of giftedness. Don't think you've arrived here. This has been this faith you have has been given to you in profound ways. Even in your faith, while you're a Christian, the Lord brings things into your life to strengthen your faith. There's times when I meet with someone and something difficult's happening in their life and they're wondering why is God doing it? And I can't ever say this in the heat of the moment because it doesn't sound right. They want to know why would God do this to me? There's just some things you can't say then, but I can say now, and it's this. Why would we think that God would avoid opportunities to strengthen our faith in him? Sometimes we want to kind of just ask God not to do this hard thing so that life goes easy. And I feel like God's going, everything in life is a currency that he's trying to exchange for faith in him. He's trying to draw us closer. And in these ways, he's giving us faith through bringing things into our life. Which means this, if you're a veteran Christian, if you've been in the body of Christ for 10, 20, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years, do not think very highly of your faith because God has given it. You should be so grateful, 
so grateful that he's grown you in an environment where you have known him for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. If you're like me, where I was born into the church and I went to Sunday school and I knew all the flannel board stories and I went to RAs and I went to things like Awana and I went to VBS and if you did Christian school or you went to a Christian college or you did some college ministry and you've had all of these different things where the Lord's had a chance to build your faith piece by piece with Christian after Christian Do not think more highly of yourself. Ought that not give you a profound sense of humility? Ought you not wonder in a nearly fearful way what God expects of you? If this was a secular company and someone had put that much energy into you, would they not have the right to expect great things? Do not think of yourself more highly than you are. This is a call heading into the conversation of giftedness for Christians who have been in the body to put their pride to death and to listen with humble ears. And it comes out, when you're you're visiting with someone who's either barely in the faith or barely holding on or just hanging on or just seeking, and, and you hear and you know the answers, right? Of course you know the answers. I'm not saying you don't know the answers. You know the answers. You've been around. Do you play God or do you display God? That's the question. This is how you can destroy evangelism. Is you who know the answers decide you're going to play God. Rather than knowing the answers, you decide to be God to this person. To display the love and the grace of God to this person. To listen in the gentle way that God has listened to you. And to back off in the gentle ways that God has backed off with you. And then to push in the brutally hard ways, the way that God has pushed with you. But you need to display the grace of God to others. There needs to be a humility among the veteran Christian. Two Christians are in conflict with one another. Who yields? The veteran does. Who initiates forgiveness? The veteran Christian does. Who displays humility? The veteran Christian does. Who models sacrificial living? The veteran Christian does. They offer their bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is their spiritual act of worship. Therefore, in view of God's mercy and of the faith that God has given you, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather offer your bodies up as sacrifices. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you. My heart is full of profound gratefulness for the steady way that mature Christians have remained in our fellowship, have lived among us, have treated us gently. have invited new and different into their fold. Lord, I pray you continue to make us this way. Humble us and mature us. Father, give us a wide berth for those who are only now being brought into the faith. Lord, give us a good sense on the things we hold on to tightly and the things we hold on to loosely. And Lord, I pray you help 
we who are in the faith and have been in the faith to model sacrificial living to those who are new and excited and watching. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thus far, we've been talking about the individual. Now Paul begins to kind of knit them together. Look at four and five with me for a second. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. Now listen to this. And each member belongs to all the others. Did you hear that? Each member belongs to all the others. What I'd like you to do is, is if you would close your eyes, just adopt a posture of prayer. I'm going to say this sentence a few times. I think sometimes small sentences and big paragraphs sometimes lose the weight that they have the right to carry. Just listen to this. Each member belongs to all the others. Just allow that. You who are, are in the faith, the Christian, just allow the weight of the significance of this to fall. That you who are individually are to pursue a holy and pleasing life before the Lord and are supposed to do it humbly, that you do this knowing that each member belongs to all the others. Lord, I do pray. I pray that in our age of independence, we might be able to rejoice in interdependence. I pray that in our age of competition, Lord, we might become a church of cooperation. Father, like the words in Corinthians, Lord, I I pray that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body would suffer. And when one part of the body is glorified, the whole body would rejoice with it, Lord. I pray, I pray that this church, these people, that we would see our lives as belonging to others and not ourselves. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for the way this has been displayed over these past years and decades, but especially as of late over these past weeks as so many have committed in marvelous and beautiful ways to step outside of their comfort zone on behalf of other members. Father, I thank you for this profound expression of the fact that they belong to all the other members. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we had to get through all of that to even get to the topic of giftedness. So you can imagine, oftentimes when you want to talk about giftedness, you just want to know, what's my gift? What's my magic trick? How can I use it? And can I heal? That's what pe- notice, notice how Paul got here. He got here saying, in some of the finest language of all Scripture, you offer your life up to God as a living sacrifice. And then he turns right from there and he says, and don't think of yourself more highly than you ought because I've given you the very little that you have. And then he turns right around from there and goes, and remember, you belong... You are identified in the way you belong to all the other members. And then he says, okay, now let's talk about giftedness. The context 
for giftedness is given to us. And then it says this. I'm just going to read 6a, essentially. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. You see this theme of given? According to the grace given. So your giftedness, is it a product of your goodness? No. Is your giftedness a product of your talent or your labor? No. Your giftedness is a product of the grace of God given you. You may not even be that holy. You may be fabulously gifted and brand new into the faith. The gift of God is given according to the grace of God, and it's given for the purpose of taking care of the church. In other words, when we talk about our spiritual gift, sometimes there's, there's a possibility of thinking of the gift as though God is giving you a present You've done a really good job, pretty holy and pleasing, mostly holy and pleasing. Here's a gift. Is that, is that the idea of giftedness? He made him list, he checked it twice, and you've been really nice. Here's a gift. Is that what he's saying? No, the gift, the gift is ultimately for the body of Christ to whom you belong. The gift is to be exercised in the church for the church, so that the church might worship God in more full and honoring ways. That's the gift. You are a mediator of God's gift to the people of God. God has given you a tiny piece of himself that you take and that you can express in an exemplary fashion to others. For some reason, each one of us has been given a piece of the Lord that you can express in a special unique way, easily. You can do it well, easily, the very thing that I or many of us can have to slave to do poorly. That's the gift. What God has done is he's taken his fullness and his wholeness and his splendor and he's given pieces of it to members of his church. And each person can express some element of his fullness in a very natural sort of way. They don't have to work at being that kind of person. A person who has the gift of generosity, when the rest of the church receives a teaching on generosity, they know, they look to her and they say, be like her. She, she looks for opportunities to fill need. She does it with a smile. It's almost like she trolls through the life of the church seeking to find a need, and then she supplies the need, not as a way of bringing glory to herself, but as a, out of joy of satisfying the need of the body. Be like her. Do you see how it works? God, God places a piece of himself in her that the whole church is in some way bound to model. We just need to see it modeled. And then he gives you a gift over here, and you model it for the whole church. Does the whole church exonerate it from being generous because we have someone in our church who has the gift of generosity? If you don't have the gift of teaching and your child asks you, where do children come from? Do you say, go talk to the pastor? (laughs) If you do, I'll tell them. (laughs) Right? You teach in small ways. So our gifts have been given to us by the Lord and we mediate God's fullness to the church in small, tiny ways. If you add up all the Christians of all the word together, we might just barely hold the full reflection of God with all of the gifts. But right now you show a tiny piece and 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 it's reflected in our church's ways to call the rest of us 
towards greater faithfulness. It's so we know. That's what generosity looks like. That's what humility looks like. That's what faith looks like. That's what a prophetic, wise spirit looks like. That's what leadership looks like. That's what all of these different elements look like. And then we aspire to them. You simply just do your little piece very well and very naturally. We, some people in the church, have to sacrifice their bodies in a holy and pleasing way to the Lord just to do what you do naturally very poorly. For some people, it's a titanic effort before the Lord to do what you do so naturally. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You didn't get it because you were good. You don't have it because you're holy. It's for the church. It's grace that's been given to you upon the faith that's been given to you in addition to the son that's been given to you because you've given him your sin. Don't think more highly than you. I'll push a little, one little harder piece and then I'll, we'll get nice again. There is an occasion with many of us where we find, we discover our giftedness actually outside the walls of the church. And some are tempted to exhaust their giftedness outside of the body of Christ for various purposes, whether it be for their self-advancement or just their living, or that's where they've kind of carved it out and discovered it. And so they, they kind of they squander the gift outside of the church. And, then when, and I'm not saying in unchristian ways. They can do it in very capable, honoring, virtuous Christian ways. You can be a very good corporate leader. All I mean to say is, is when it comes right back into the walls and you find that you're exhausted, you've exhausted your own gift, I'm calling to question. I just want you to question Is that why God gave it to you? Was to go outside, practice, and not practice it within. We have a very gifted church. Some of you who don't know your gift, you are the most gifted. You just don't know it. Some of you who have suffered patiently through hardship, have been a gift in my life. And you have taught me, who has had a very privileged faith. So I thank you for that. I'm thankful that God gives us gifts. I'm thankful that he does great things among us. But this is what God cares about. He cares about a church with individuals who are good, not gifted. He cares about a church that is offering their bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. The gifts, he gives us the gifts. He's calling us to live a holy life. He gave us Christ. He gave us the faith. He's given us his gifts. I pray that you would give back your life. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are thankful for the peaceful and creative and near musical ways that you've tied some of us together, Lord. I thank you for a church that's well-knit, committed to you and to others. Father, I pray that as we 
try to seek our gifts, we would seek with the attitude of being a meaningful participant in your church. That we would be generous with our gifts, that we would take them seriously, knowing that God has placed us here to exemplify a piece of himself. But I pray above all of that, Lord, that we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, for this is our act of spiritual worship. In Jesus' name, amen.